With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Solvox Radio presents Evolve with your host, Robin White Turtle Disney. Hi, this is Robin White Turtle Disney, and the show is Evolve. And my special guest today is Adrian Jurek. He's a Canadian filmmaker and also a psychologist, and has a world traveler. He he loves to travel to all parts of the world and interview people and so welcome to the show robin thank you for having me yeah thank you great to have you um so tell me how did you get started in filmmaking you've had such a diverse career in education and psychology and filmmaking so how did you get into filmmaking so robin i i've been a counselor for a long time for um for at least 10 years i've worked with children for a long time and I've worked with adults in private practice, and I've also led uh, uh, wellness retreats um, mm-hmm. for people in, in midlife transition. Uh, so counseling is my background. It's my my natural calling. Um, three years ago, I went to, at the suggestion of a friend of mine, mm-hmm. an author, she suggested that I go and attend, that I look into, um, Nick Askey was a filmmaker, a British filmmaker who now lives in Minneapolis. Mm-hmm. She said, you've got to have a look at the work he's doing. He's really doing some remarkable work. Mm-hmm. It's not just filmmaking. It's not just interviewing. Mm-hmm. People are really showing up and surrendering mm-hmm. uh, and speaking from a different place within themselves. Mm-hmm. You're really going to be interested in this. So sure enough, I did that. I went to his website, nickaskew.com, and immediately I realized that he was doing with the camera what what I was doing as a therapist. Mm. He was holding a particular kind of space for mm-hmm. people, mm-hmm. Um, inviting them to to access parts of them, to speak from parts of them that didn't normally get invited into the world. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was an uh, an element of his stance was sort of non-critical, non-directive, non-judgmental, uh, and what that did is it prompted people to really. Uh, go deep uh, and um, and explore some real inner landscapes that, mm. that maybe they hadn't even hadn't even realized were there. Um, and when I saw that, I recognized that's what I've been doing, and I need to see what he's doing. So when I saw that, when I saw what Nick was doing with the camera, I immediately recognized myself and what he was doing, and I thought I have to go and see what he's doing. So I went on one of his retreats it was 2016 it was in england mm-hmm. and it was a uh 6-day intensive oh. during which we sat and he showed us his technique that he had developed himself and uh, really that consisted of sitting opposite somebody very intimate distance sort of you know you're sitting opposite each other your knees were about a foot apart and there's a camera between you and and he sat in utter silence and 
um, he just waited for whatever needed to come forth to come forth and I had some remarkable experiences uh, that day in front of his camera some stuff came forward that about my father who had recently passed away uh, some really strong emotion that I hadn't realized was there mm-hmm. uh, I was in the presence of six or seven other people who were also in the workshop mm-hmm. and I didn't think that I'd be able to be that vulnerable and surrender to explore those feelings in the midst of that company of those people who I just only met. Mm-hmm. But uh, something about his manner, something about the space that he created, the safety that he created, uh, allowed me to, to really go in there and explore that. And mm-hmm. um, and I immediately went away and I began to do that work myself. I recognized that, in fact, I'd been doing very much the same thing as a therapist. Mm-hmm. But now I wanted to capture it and I wanted to to do this work with people but now the additional benefit was that they could then, I could cut a film for them. And it might be an hour session we might sit for. But I could cut a film for them that was a distilled uh, look at the moments when they truly showed up most mm-hmm. as human beings. When they truly, when their eyes widened and their nostrils flared and they truly took a chance. And you could tell in their body language that they were exploring something that was frightening. Mm-hmm. And there was some part of them was going that was going to step forward anyway and talk. So what I did was I was able to cut a film that consisted of those moments, and then give that film back to those people, mm-hmm. uh, so that they could then witness themselves in a way that you simply can't in a therapy session. Mm-hmm. In a therapy session, you forget what you've said soon after you've left, you forget, unless you've been taking notes. But this is remarkable because the epiphanies, the insights you often say things you didn't know that you knew mm-hmm. using words you didn't know you had mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and to have that captured and then to be to have that given to you in a way that you could replay it again and again mm-hmm. and to catch yourself speaking your truth is a remarkable thing mm-hmm. and I recognized what a service that was to the people who I was working with and for mm-hmm. and I recognized that that was that surpassed what I had been doing as a counselor, and I thought this is my this is my new my new calling. I cool. I no longer want to be a counselor who yeah. who in any way stands in any shape in any position of knowing. So when I film, when I turn the record button on, I'm standing in a position of not knowing. Mm-hmm. My attitude is I don't know what's about to happen. Mm-hmm. Neither do you really. Mm-hmm. But if we can trust uh, what might be about to occur. And if we can trust that something rich might come out of it, if we just surrender, mm-hmm. then something might happen that might be very interesting. And yeah. very often it does. Uh-huh. Yeah. Well, I was noticing that the in, in your website you work through Vimeo. And, I do. And your website is Backcountry. Tricks and Films. Tricks and yeah. Films. Yeah. So the, that um, you can find his his website on the uh, and see some of the films that you've made because yeah. you've done a number of different ones about people in transition, right. largely right. that have lost people or who are working in um, Mexico doing yeah. elder work. You know, yeah. like redefining what it is to be an elder, yeah. which is fascinating. So, um, how did you find these people? Were they friends, or were they people that you were working with, or? I mean, how did you run across them? Was I, 
pick those specific ones to put on the website? Because I imagine you have others that you've done. Yeah, the the ones on the website are the people who who have given consent mm-hmm. to other films. There, I've made others where where I simply haven't you know posted them, but. Mm-hmm. The first film I made was of a friend of mine, uh, an author, Becky Livingston, um, and I knew her fairly well. I'd known her for six or seven years by this time, and mm-hmm. um, her story is she had lost a, a, a daughter, a 21-year-old daughter, to brain cancer, and, mm-hmm. and then shortly thereafter, uh, the love of her life to brain cancer, and so it it utterly called an end to one one way of living that oh, she had been used good to. Heavens, yeah. But I knew she had the courage. I knew that the journey that followed um, after that loss, the, the traveling around the world with her daughter's ashes and leaving her daughter's ashes, I knew that the, she was courageous enough to talk about it. And so I asked her, I said, Becky, I just finished this workshop um, with Nick Askew. And in fact, she was the one who recommended it to me. So I said, Becky, how about it? Would you be interested in uh, and talking about the process of writing the memoir. Uh, and so she was the very first person who I filmed. And the film was intended to be, I I said, how about we talk about the process of you just writing your memoir? What was it like over the steps? And it ended up, ended up being that, but also much more. She went far deeper into some emotional terrain that um, even she didn't expect. So mm. it was remarkable. Mm. That, so she was my first one. And then... People since then have been again people who have identified who who I have I've known them or have worked with them, and they've all um, signaled to me in one way or another that 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 they did have the courage and were did have the willingness to talk about something painful. Mm-hmm. And um, it, usually, are women. I've usually found that it's it's the women who have the, the courage to to really go deep and to and to into the places that uh, that are that are you know very very sort of difficult to, to, to be in. and mm-hmm. uh, But it's been one person after another, and gradually, uh, you know, people have talked, and um, they've come and found me, actually. And mm-hmm. in many cases, I haven't posted the phones because uh, they're private, but, um, mm-hmm. but that's how it started. Yeah, mm-hmm. how exciting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I noticed that you did, um, the transition seems to be important in many of the films. Like, they mm-hmm. were at a point where they had... Um, you know, they talked about a loved one or they were, you know, that there was a major transition with this elder camp down, I don't remember the name of it, but it, looking at cultural shifts for people, rites of passage. And right, right. So that, that really fascinates me because my first book was on rites of passage. So I right. really was very excited about seeing that because it isn't documented much in our culture that there are people doing rituals or doing things to help them transition from one phase of life to another. Right. Right. So, yes, in fact, it was at one of Nick Askew's film intensives where I met, where I met somebody who connected me with Chip Conley. Mm -hmm. Uh, He's doing a lot of writing. Wisdom at Work uh, is his latest book. Mm. And he's uh, established something in the Baja Peninsula called the Modern Elder Academy. And it is a, a midlife school for for midlife wisdom, it's for for people who are re-examining and retooling, mm-hmm. uh, and not retiring per mm-hmm. se, but retooling mm-hmm. um, and uh, and bringing to consciousness what they now have to offer to the world. And so it's a remarkable 
movement that he's leading and sponsoring. Mm -hmm. um, and I was just frankly curious and I reached out to Chip and I said, I lead wellness retreats for people in transition. I take them hiking. We use poetry. Uh, we, we delve deep into that territory. Uh, would you be interested in talking about what you're writing about and why it's important? And mm -hmm. yeah, he, he, uh, yeah, he flew me down to San Francisco and, uh, in January of 2019 and we sat and it was just wonderful to meet. So it's, it's been a very, it's been very sort of serendipitous, this, mm -hmm. this, uh, community of people who, who are remarkably courageous and who are not shying away from, but rather leaning into right uh life transition into mm -hmm. what it holds into the promise that it holds mm -hmm. so i'm i'm attracted by courage i'm attracted by people who choose to lean forward into um what pema children has called the places that scare you mm -hmm. uh, i'm attracted by that and and again you know by those are my film subjects. Those are the people who I'm attracted to, uh, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. sort of instinctively. And so, mm -hmm. yeah, that's, that's, how I, that's who I like to work with. Yeah, yeah. Well, I can see how the, the teaching, the psychology, all these things you've done in the past have kind of fed into the filmmaking as a creative expression, but also as a way to help people see their development or their where they've come from. Because um, a lot of times you hit a transition you have to then integrate that experience into the next phase of whatever you're doing. Um, and it, it sounds like that's what you were doing with your filmmaking as you're looking at people's transitions. And then you were talking about that David White poem that you were, you were talking about at the break. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, yeah. His, his poem, Finisterre, there's a line in the poem, and the line is, no way to your future now except to call an end to the way that you had come. Uh, it's a remarkably powerful line. It has to do with coming to the end of the Camino Santiago uh, at a place called Finisterre, which is literally the end of the world. And the Romans, for the Romans, that was the end of the world. It's as far west as you could go um, during that, that period, during the Roman era. And for them, there was no further, that was the end of the world. But also for us, We've come to the end of a relationship, the end of a working identity, the end of something in our lives. Um, we recognize that if we're going to continue, it can't be uh, under the guise of, the, of that identity that brought us there. Mm -hmm. we, we, can, we can move forward, but not wearing the same shoes that brought us to that point. Mm -hmm. And I think the filmmaking that I'm doing, it offers a chance for people to re bring to awareness the things that have been on the periphery of their consciousness, they actually are very vaguely conscious of things uh, that they have learned, but the act somehow the act of speaking them out loud in front of the camera uh, crystallizes, consolidates, constellates, brings things together into a into a form that that they haven't quite seen before, mm -hmm. and they suddenly begin telling a new story that liberates them mm. and that allows them to take that next step. Mm -hmm. uh, to, to go back to the poem again, Finisterre, to go the way shadows go, which mm. is across the water, mm. which is a way that you can't go with the hiking boots that mm. brought you there. Mm -hmm. You can continue, but you're going to go in, in, a, in a different way. And the act of, I think the act of writing, any creative act, any deeply creative act, 
is that act of calling into consciousness uh, and speaking into the world uh, a form of identity that hitherto hasn't hasn't been present, but suddenly it's materialized beneath your feet, and you realize, ah, this is who I've been becoming. This mm-hmm. is who is now ready to come into the world. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and you haven't quite been able to to perceive that. It's just been on the the periphery of your awareness, but something, a drawing, a painting, a, a lecture, a speech that you give, uh, speaking your your story on on camera, mm-hmm. has that effect mm-hmm. of revealing yourself to yourself, uh, right. revealing what you've known all along. Some part of you has known it all along, but you somehow couldn't see it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, that's really fascinating, and we're going to take a little break and come back and uh, I want to continue that conversation because I think that this is something that people don't always experience or see is as valuable, and that is another emerging life coming out of your past, the past, and how that develops. I want to go there because uh, your films definitely speak to that. And um, so we'll be right back. This is Robin White Turtle Listney. And I'm with Adrian Jurek, and he's a filmmaker. And he's the first filmmaker I've interviewed, actually. So it's very exciting to have this conversation. We'll be right back. Evolve, nurturing the new in consciousness, the arts, and culture with your host, Robin White Turtle Lisney. Evolve brings you people and ideas on the cutting edge of change, opening the shells of the past to move our culture into the now. We are all in great need of sustainable ideas for change. Evolve brings you the wise, the foolish, and the heart-based to help us meet the challenges of our times. Join us the third Thursday of the month at 2 p.m. Pacific Time for Evolve. Hi, this is Robin White Turtle Listney. I wanted to share with you some of the other things that I'm doing in the world beside this radio show. The first is I have a private practice in Capitola, California that reaches around the world and you can uh, connect with me through my websites, thecenterforthesoul.com and bluebonebooks.com. I'm also uh, an author, and I have seven books. The first was Dancing Up the Moon, the second Sacred Living, both by Canary Press and Berkeley. And then I had Heart Path, Heart Path Handbook, a CD on Heart Path, uh, as well as um, two poetry books, Mosaic, which is the latest poetry book, and Poems for the Lost Year. I also have another book that just came out called Ceremonies from the Heart for Children, Adults, and the Earth. And all of these are on my website, www.bluebonebooks.com. So now we'll go back to the show. Hi, we're back. This is Robin White Turtle Listney, and the show is Evolve, and I am with Adrian Jurek, and he's a filmmaker from Canada who is doing really unusual things with filmmaking. We were just talking in the last segment about it, and then uh, at the break, uh, we began to talk about the influence of a particular poet, because you use a lot of poetry in your treks and your work and in your filmmaking, and so uh, David White was the one we have in common, that I, right. <laughs> probably right. among others, I'm sure. That's right. But uh, you were telling me about um, 
the experience you had with him where you were kind of stuck in a particular profession and he's helping you move through it, through the stuckness. So you want to talk about that a little that's bit? Right, that's yeah. right. That's right. I had been stuck in, uh, in a role as a, um, as a school counselor in, in the public school system in Canada and um, was feeling unfulfilled and was feeling as though I had more to bring. I wasn't firing on all cylinders and they, and I had been spent years sort of reading and, and reading Young and and uh, and Joseph Campbell and sort of waiting for clarity, as if clarity is something that, that 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 you know that I needed to wait for and it was going to come if I waited long enough. And um, finally, I heard about David's work quite by accident through a friend in 2011. Um, I went to see him on Whidbey Island, went to see him speak, and then immediately recognized. Uh, in some of the poetry, that this was exactly the place of struggle that he was t- writing about in his poetry. Mm-hmm. Uh, the poem "Start Close In" is all about that that desire to hide and not take that first that that first close in step and to and to overthink things and to wait for clarity. And I, I recognized myself in that poem immediately, and I immediately then uh, signed on for his walking tour in England in July of 2011. And uh, one of the days, um, the walking tours happen in the afternoon and the mornings. They, they tended to be sort of lecture format. And he was reciting Start Close In. Um, and he and I had been talking loosely during the walks a little bit about my place of stuckness. And then he just turned to me in the face of 25 other, 30, 25 other people gathered in a circle in a lounge. And he looked at me point blank. And he said, essentially called me out. He said, look, stop waiting. You've got what it takes to do what you want to do. You want mm-hmm. to do the guided walking treks with the poetry. You want to take people out onto the landscape to, uh, as a means of taking them in, into their interior landscapes. You've got the experience with that. Um, you've got the venues to do that. Um, you've got the desire to do that. You've got everything you need. Just, just go. Just begin. Just take that first close in step. That step you don't want to take. Just begin. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that was a watershed moment for me. I came back uh, in uh, in the winter of 2012 and and began my first retreat. And it was it was everything I'd hoped it would be. It was all the elements of of the poetry and the and the, and the, the big questions and uh, and the outdoor sort of weaving and the outdoor experience and the metaphor from nature about everything's constantly in, in transition and loss is part of the cycle of renewal. And mm-hmm. all of these things wove together seamlessly. Mm-hmm. Uh, they just sort of tumbled together seamlessly. And I recognized I was onto something. And and I guess I have David to thank for that because he pushed me into into just trying it. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, it was the first retreat, so there were logistical things that weren't smooth, but, but it was the first of several that I led. And... Uh, and uh, it's just such a gratifying experience. But but I, this tendency, this very universal human tendency to want to wait for clarity, mm-hmm. to want to wait so that I can see all the steps laid out before me mm-hmm. and not to take the first step until I see all the sequence laid out before me. That's such a universal human tendency. Mm-hmm. And it is, uh, it is it is the downfall of all kinds of artistic geniuses and, mm-hmm. and authors and, and creative types who simply never begin for fear of 
not being able to see the clear path all the way through. Well, and don't you think we're at a time right now, Adrian, where we really have to jump. We have to start doing whatever it is that's going to save this planet and do the work that we have to do, inner the inner work, to really make the steps possible to overcome our fear. Otherwise, we just live in fear all the time. And we we never quite move through it. And so I, I really feel like what David did for you is kind of uh, prod you right into exactly what you needed to do. But I think we all are having to do that at this stage, in this time. Um, I don't know if you agree with that or not, but I, I think it's getting more imperative that we overcome fear. You know, I'm going to respond to that. That's a, you're exactly right, of course, Robin. I'm going to respond to that with Mary Oliver and uh, and the journey and, and the voices of fear that shout, mend my life, each voice cried, mend my life. Those voices that shout, she's in that poem, she's trying to take that step. Mm-hmm. You know, one day you finally knew what you had to do and you began, though the voices around you kept shouting their bad advice. We all have these voices in this that, that prefer... Uh, that prefer the devil we know, that prefer the stasis, even though it's uncomfortable, even though it's suffocating. Uh, and our great challenge is to to take that step, is to is to do what she does in that poem, the journey, which is mm-hmm. to which is to ignore those voices. Um, it's, it's already late enough, and a wild night, and a road full of fallen branches and stones. But little by little, as you left their voices behind and the stars began to burn through the sheets of cloud, there was a new voice that you slowly recognized as your own, that kept you company as you strode deeper and deeper into the world, determined to do the only thing you could do, determined to save the only life you could save. That's heroic. That's a heroic journey. Right. And you can hear the symbolism in the storm and the branches falling and the st- and the rocks on the road and the the difficulty of the passage and all the obstacles that have been put up in the way mm-hmm. um, that we put in front of our own path. Right. We're happy to do that for ourselves, right, Robin. Right. And um, but that's our great. It's it's a journey. No one who's a prose who said it's the journey that no one can take us, no one can take for us, and no one can spare us from. Uh-huh. It's that journey that we have to take. It's so hard. Right, right. It's so hard. It is hard, but it, it's it's what it helps us emerge as humans. I mean, it, it helps us make the people that we are as individuals. In that poem, The Journey, like probably one of the most amazing poems. Um, uh, I heard it once when she was reciting it in San Francisco, and there was an audience and we were all reciting it together as she was reciting it because so many people had been impacted by that poem. Um, and it, it really speaks to that first step, taking that first step. And your films, I think what's, what I love about them is that, that you actually help people see that transition, that first step that they're taking, uh, regardless of the challenge that they've had to go through. And it sounds like, I mean, what I was impressed with was the byline that you have with your film company (laughs) that basically, you know, discovering this this world that people need to move into 
that they don't they've never tra- trod before. They've never been in that world before, but now they're there. Yeah. Yeah. They are transformative journeys. Um you know, a, a journey out onto the landscape is transformative. It transforms your your consciousness and your awareness of of your body and and of nature. But the journey on camera is analogous to 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 one that you take on a landscape. Um I use the metaphor of the backcountry. Uh, the backcountry is a place um, that's off the beaten path. It's up in the high country. It's remote. It's pristine. Uh, it's difficult to get to. And not many people will will risk what it takes to get there. Um, yet the intuition is that there's something there that's valuable. There's something pristine. There's something wondrous about going there. And so going to the backcountry... Uh, as a trekker, as a snowshoer, um, it's a difficult journey. Um, but it, what it requires is it requires fundamentally the courage to leave the path that you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, I do a lot of backcountry snowshoeing and, and, and uh, telemark skiing. And, and if you're truly going to have an adventure, if you're going to have a life with any true adventure in it, it requires the willingness to leave the path that you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and to go over that that ridge, over into that next valley, because then you discover something that you didn't know was there. Nobody could have told you, mm-hmm. and only you uh, are, are able to see it. And and so what happens on camera is that people make that decision. You're able to see it. I, as a filmmaker, can see moments where their eyes go wide and they hesitate for a second, and I can see in their shoulders and in their eyes the question they're asking themselves is, should I say this? Should I should I take this risk? Should I go off the path mm-hmm. and say this thing because I don't know what I'm going to say next? Mm-hmm. And it's in that moment when they take that chance that they say something that astonishes them. Mm-hmm. The truth of it astonishes them. They say, "I don't want this anymore. I'm no longer this person. I don't want this relationship. I don't want this career. I don't want this identity." They say things, and reflexively, their hand will fly to their mouth. Mm-hmm. And they will say something that almost is forbidden, but once having said it, there's no going back. Right. And it's remarkable then that they'll continue because they realize there's no going back now. And the floodgates open, as it were, and then there's a relaxation. The shoulders will drop, and they'll begin to simply go, well, this is me. Why is this should be? Why? There's almost a, not a resignation, but an acceptance that, you know what, this is okay. Um, and then they begin to sort of relax into the, and, the, and the words begin to come from a different place mm-hmm. and they begin to speak um, it's like it's, they're not actually speaking the words the words are speaking them mm-hmm. and a path a new path is materializing beneath their feet uh, using words that they didn't know they had in them mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. it's leading into a life very often that it's scary because it involves giving up um, an identity that that they had worked hard to build, mm-hmm. but some part of them recognizes that this is the only true way forward. Mm-hmm. If I go back, um, I have to be small again. This is not, and going back is is too small to contain who I'm about to become. Right. And there's right. an intuition we all have, I think, right. Robin, that that's the case. And yeah. so the filmmaking offers that kind of an opportunity. I think. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think I think it's wonderful because it, it it does also call your kind of sharing 
that moment with people in the filmmaking, and the filmmaking itself is doing that work. And it's, so it's kind of a double double thing for the person as well as for you as you're discovering this together. And, and, it, and it's so much like therapy in, in a way because in therapy you are discovering together what's, what's shifting for the person and what may be difficult for them to recognize and what identities are dropping and what identities are emerging and, and their growth patterns and so on. So it's, it's, rich, uh, it's a rich way to make films because it's not scripted. None of it's scripted, and that's what's really amazing. It's like yeah. uh, these are clearly not scripted films that yeah. you're doing. They're very personal, yeah. Yeah. and you're capturing that personal quality. Yeah, you're right about the unscripted part. Uh, it's so unscripted that my eyes, I'm often taken aback because there's a part of me that tries to get a sense of where the person might be going next. But so often, more often than not, they will delve into uh, into a memory or an in, or have an epiphany or an insight that is so unpredictable. I can't even tell that it's coming. Mm-hmm. And suddenly, in the space between us, there materializes this truth that it rocks both of us, and neither of us knows what to do about it. Mm-hmm. And sometimes we'll just leave it in the silence. The shock wave, the blast wave mm-hmm. uh, of what's been said. You can't follow it with anything. You just have to just let the silence just sit there. So very often in a film, somebody will simply, we will look at each other uh, dumbfounded about what's just coming to the room and we'll sit there for 10, 15, 20, 30 seconds. Mm-hmm. And I never I never ask a question. I simply wait until, until he or she just decides to pick it up and continue. Mm-hmm. But that's real life. Real living is, is unscripted. It's, mm-hmm. it's sort mm-hmm. of living on the edge, and right. it's remarkably rewarding to. Oh. It's a privilege for me to be there. Yeah, it really is. Right, it really is. Right, right. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's fabulous. Well, we'll be right back. This is Robin My Turtle The show is evolved, and we're with Adrian Jerk, who is a filmmaker and from Canada, and has also been a counselor. So that's why part of why we've been talking about the counseling. So uh, we'll be right back. Evolve, nurturing the new in consciousness, the arts, and culture, with your host, Robin White Turtle Lizney. Evolve brings you people and ideas on the cutting edge of change, opening the shells of the past to move our culture into the now. We are all in great need of sustainable ideas for change. Evolve brings you the wise, the foolish, and the heart-based to help us meet the challenges of our times. Join us the third Thursday of the month at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, for Evolve. Hi, this is Robin White Turtle Lisney, and my guest is Adrian Jerk. It's a filmmaker. He's a filmmaker from Canada and um, also has worked as a psychologist and an educator and takes treks into the backcountry of various places in Canada and other places, I'm sure. And uh, we were talking before the break um, about, about how this is impacting individuals, but I think it's taking it further than that. It's taking it, it's impacting the culture at large. Your films are this personal connection you have with the person that you're filming. And then 
the interview then becomes like this evolution that you're witnessing. While it's very personal and one-on-one, then whoever's witnessing that also can identify with the changes within themselves. And I guess what I'm wanting to say or talk about, Adrian, here is about the the larger implications of not only your films, but of what's happening in the culture at large. Like um, watching these young people like, like Greta Thunberg, who Thunberg, who is um, this young Swedish woman who's um, pulled out, called out, um, you know, global warming and how it's happening with people flying in on their jets to these meetings and, you know, really saying we need to do this now. We need to address climate change now. She isn't afraid at all of what people think of her or how she's going to proceed. She just does it, you know, and I think that your films have a quality um, of of that kind of boldness or courage, as you mentioned before. How do you, I guess my question is, how do you see your films impacting the larger transformations that are happening culturally? Because that's what I'm seeing in your films that, I, that struck me. Um, and I don't know if you've thought a lot about that, but I, I have a sense that you have because you're into transformation and how people transform in different circumstances. So can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah, my hope um, as a filmmaker is not much different from my hope. Um, the hope that a counselor or that a therapist would have would be that something would get called into consciousness that had been latent, that had been waiting Um waiting for permission, waiting to be invited. So my my hope as a filmmaker is that I can create the right conditions for a person to feel brave enough to uh, to speak what it is that they've been wanting to speak, mm-hmm. to say what it is that they've been wanting to say, to speak their truth uh, that perhaps they've been holding on to for, for years and years. Um, and that's the hope as a filmmaker. If if I can create the conditions for someone to take that leap, that courageous leap, and and speak truth to power, um, speak truth to their to trauma of of, of the traumatic childhood, uh, it's liberating. That act of speaking truth mm-hmm. is liberating profoundly. Uh, and then a person is fundamentally changed. Their story, their narrative of who they are, is fundamentally changed. Mm-hmm. And then who they are in the world, how they enter the world is fundamentally different. My hope with, uh, as a filmmaker is that I will begin to work with leaders, organizational leaders, uh, entrepreneurs, um, leaders who, who have an instinct or an intuition that there is more in them. Uh, they want to explore the root of who they are and why they're doing what they're doing in the world. Um, and they are going to take that chance and they want to sit down in front of the camera um, and really explore what that is, even though it might be a little bit intimidating. My goal is that they try it and that they surface, they resurface from that deep dive with uh, an awareness that they didn't have before and that that awareness fundamentally uh, alters who they are when they go back uh, into their leadership roles in the world, whether that be corporate or governmental or organizational. 
Um, that's my hope, um, that they go back to their families at the end of the day, substantially, qualitatively different, mm -hmm. uh, more compassionate, more, uh, simply just more aware of, uh, of themselves and, uh, and the world around them. And I guess, um, what's remarkable about, uh, about the young woman, uh, is it Greta Thunberg mm -hmm. is that she already has that courage, that courage and conviction. At sixteen, um, <laughs> she has it. She's yeah. got it in spades, and she. So, so for me, uh, there's nothing to call forward from a young girl like that, for her to go to Davos and speak truth to power the way she did. Mm -hmm. There's no way. She's already well beyond uh, needing me to call forth the courage to to speak truth to power. I guess what I'm interested in doing is working with those with older with adults who have. Um, who have hidden from the truth for years and years and years and mm -hmm. behind layers of roles and, uh, and, and masks and guises. And, uh, uh, and I guess what I really want to do is, is just be a vehicle for, for awareness, <clears throat> have the experience uh, or provide an experience for people um, for, for coming awake to, mm -hmm. um, to maybe who they've been all along but haven't necessarily seen or who they could be, which is larger than who they are today. Right. And I think that awareness, I mean, them coming into greater awareness is going to impact the entire, their, all their relationships. And yeah. if they're organizational leaders, that awareness is going to come into that work as well. So um, I think increasing people's awareness, even – you know, as these are one-on-one -on -one films, like you're you're having a conversation with this person, or they're disclosing something about their life. There's a transformation they're coming into, and then that transformation helps them become more aware of where they've been and where they're going. Yeah. And that is going to help all of us because we're all having to come into greater awareness. Mm. If we, you know, there's a there's a line. I can't remember, I think it's a Rumi poem that goes, you know, don't go back to sleep. Mm, exactly. you, know, the, you, you just can't go back to sleep. And it, it's an imperative that's repeated in the poem. Mm. And, and I think that we are all waking up in mm. this culture, in our world, throughout the whole world, not just, mm. not just in the United States or Canada or Western Hemisphere, but we are really having to wake up to a greater reality of what we're doing environmentally, what we're doing with the earth, with each other. You know, there's a, there's a tremendous need to wake up <laughs> mm -hmm. to, to recognize how we are being in the world. And through your films, I see that you're doing that with people as they're discovering this next step in their lives, mm -hmm. which then is going to impact and ripple out throughout their whole universe. Mm -hmm. And as our universes shift and change, then the world shifts and change, changes mm -hmm. and becomes more aware. Mm -hmm. And that that is the transition I see happening right now is people coming into more awareness and being more awake. Um, so I'm just excited about your films because I think you're doing that mm -hmm. with people. Mm -hmm. And that's what you're interested in kind of witnessing through your films. Yeah. I think fundamentally, um, we all want to be seen mm -hmm. deeply. We want to be seen 
we want to be heard. Um, being listened to is, is tantamount to being held. Uh, the experience is qualitatively as powerful as being held physically. Mm, that's beautiful. Being listened to. Yes. Um, David, it's David Augsburger who says something to that effect. Being listened to is qualitatively no different than being held. Mm-hmm. So what I do as a filmmaker is I try to create that listening environment that is almost like holding someone uh, so gently and with so much acceptance that they can hear um, who they've been all along. They can see who they've been all along, and there's no need to hide. Mm-hmm. Uh, in this space, um, in this sacred space, there's no need to hide. Mm-hmm. You can everything. All parts of you are welcome in this space. It's very much like a therapeutic space. All parts of you are welcome, um, and that's the idea with the film is is to create the experience for someone of truly being seen, um, not only by themselves but but by by others. Mm-hmm. Uh, because once we people have that experience. Uh, once people see other people having that experience, there's a there's a recognition of a kind of a common humanity, and uh, right. and then we we put down the shields and the weapons, and we um, we start to reach out towards each other. Uh, so that's but the whole prerequisite is being seen. Yes, we will not we will not sustain prejudice or or enmity against people if we truly see them. Yes. I totally agree. I totally agree. And that's what that's what's amazing about transformational process that you're capturing in those films. It's, it's they're they're simple in a certain way. They're very simple. You're interviewing someone and yet on another level there's an en- enormous transformation happening and mm-hmm. you're witnessing that transformation. Mm-hmm. That's what I find really fascinating. Mm-hmm. And that's how it changes us as we're watching it mm-hmm. or changing somebody in Australia who's never seen it before, you know, that now they're witnessing this film mm-hmm. um, and and then they're, they're transforming as a result mm-hmm. of it. So I think it's really important work that mm-hmm. you're doing on so many levels. So it's, and it's exciting to see filmmaking being used in a different way other than telling a scripted story. Right. You're telling human stories that mm. actually happened and you're documenting that. Mm. And that gives people an opportunity to reflect and to witness and to become more aware. Mm. Wow. Well, so often we generate scripts because there are ways to hide. Yeah. Um, they're socially sanctioned scripts that we have at the ready because they're convenient ways for hiding and for because we need to socialization is is such that we we have to conceal parts of ourselves and so an unscripted experience on camera or with a therapist um, is remarkably rare and mm-hmm. we we find it so powerful simply because we recognize after a little while we recognize that yeah it is genuine mm-hmm. and I don't have to keep telling that same story mm-hmm. there's no need to hide. Mm-hmm. In fact, there's no way I could hide, really. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we do, all of us do, initially when we sit down with with a filmmaker like myself. But eventually we realize, why Why am I hiding? Mm-hmm. Why am I putting energy into that? Mm-hmm. Wouldn't it be so much easier just, just to relax and, mm-hmm. and just mm-hmm. 
uh, let myself be here? Mm-hmm. What would it be like if I could just be mm-hmm. instead right. of instead of having to to tell a story right, that, right. that you would find acceptable? Right. Right. Well, we're we're all raised, and especially people, I would say, over thirty, mm. <laughs> are raised with a tremendous amount of conditioning. I mean, we're, you know, that's kind of the parents' job is to give the kids an an identity as a good person mm. or as a, a good citizen, mm. you know, to learn how to do social norms and rules and all of that. And um, I, I see that 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 conditioning, which is what people often have to cut through and drop, mm. um, it also can keep you bound up in a role rather than in that authentic process. So that authentic process that you're capturing in your films is actually showing this kind of naked experience that people mm-hmm. have had. Um, and and also, like, the vulnerability. There's a vulnerability um, in the interviews that then uh, kind of reveals what their next steps are going to be or how, how can you transition, how can you move into this next reality. And and you actually watch the people take those steps, so it's quite it's quite powerful. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it does inform our future. Like, how do we unfold? Um, one of the things you know that older people have a perspective of what they've come through in order for a young world woman like you know Greta Thunberg. Um, to express herself, she stands on the shoulders of many people that have revealed themselves, have experienced transformations that they've had to go through in order to break open the conditioning from our parents, our grandparents. And that that experience of, of breaking that open then has, in some ways, created a platform for her to just be authentic and be who she is and so I'm kind of curious and interested in that generational expression that happens you know I've seen so many young people coming standing up to kids that um, down in Florida who who went right to Congress and you know demanded gun safety in the United States Um, you know the transformations that kids are stepping into power in a very young age, 12, 13, 14, 16 year olds. Mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. Greta Thunberg is only 16 years old. Mm-hmm. But she has the opportunity to do that because we've plowed through all kinds of conditioning that has been the standard and is now dissolving. And, and I, mm-hmm. I see it's kind of at a tipping point right mm-hmm. now in, in the culture mm-hmm. where we really have to step into with courage where we where we have to go mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and that that i think is part of what your films are showing which i think is really exciting mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. courage is difficult to summon and um you know, i like to think that, that that sitting for a film um um is is a courageous act in itself but it also watching it for for the rest of us to watch somebody on film um, entering really, really difficult terrain is also a deeply inspiring act, and it reminds us that all of us have the capacity. All of us, all of us have the ability to go in and uh, and, 
and to speak her truth and to mm-hmm. and to speak from a really courageous place. Uh, it's within us all to do, uh, and I think mm-hmm. a film a, me- a film is a great medium for uh, any any print or or digital media. It's a great way of making that experience that exemplar available to to so many people. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if I can somehow contribute to that, that's wonderful. Uh, yeah. I love doing it. Yeah, that's wonderful. So tell everybody your website again and and how they can find your films because I think it's uh, I hope a lot more people are going to find them. <laughs> yeah, the new the new website is is under development, but but you can still find it at www.backcountrytreksandfilms.com. Uh, that's the uh, existing website, and there's a Vimeo library of films there. Mm-hmm. Um, about 14 films currently that are there. Uh, a new website is, is coming with my name, adrianjurek.com, um, and so I'll be using both uh, both URLs, for, of course, for that. Uh, mm-hmm. But um, but yes, the films are gonna are gonna continue, and uh, I'll be working with uh, with a modern elder, elder elder academy, doing a little bit more work there coming up next month, and oh, then uh, and then a series about women called Hidden in Plain Sight is coming as well. Mm. Uh, Elizabeth White, Susan Florey, some very accomplished women. Um, not it's all about the experience of being a woman, very accomplished um, and very highly regarded, and then suddenly having the phone stop ring when you're in your 50s. Mm-hmm. And it's about ageism at work in the workplace. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So the series is going to be entitled Hidden in Plain Sight. Oh, great. And I will be uh, be looking to film an interview uh, a whole variety of women from across different disciplines, just to bring that again into in, more into consciousness, because mm-hmm. we are uh, squandering a powerful resource uh, when we take people who've spent their entire lives gathering wisdom, and we fail to call on it, yeah. or we we negate it, we. Mm-hmm. Uh, we somehow say that it's no longer valuable. Mm-hmm. So that series is coming personal. Uh, it matters to me deeply mm-hmm. uh, that, that, that sort of those sorts of films get made, mm-hmm. so, among others. So we'll see what else comes. That sounds great. Yeah. And you're working on a film here in uh, Santa Cruz area. Yeah, right? I'm working with I'm working with an author here, Anna Citrino, mm-hmm. and um, I know Anna quite well from from overseas teaching days, and so she's got some new work coming out. Mm-hmm. Um, two new uh, publications coming out, and so we'll be spending some time. I'll be looking to to capture some of her work uh, on film and to and to and to give it some give it some visual presence, to add some luster to it, mm-hmm. to the already rich uh, verse that she uh, that she's already put forth into the world. So mm-hmm. I'd like to somehow um, to bring that into the world and to offer you know my skill as a filmmaker to do and, and seeing what comes of it. It's just, a, yeah. I, I love working with authors. I think it's remarkable, mm-hmm. the process of what writing uh, takes from them and what writing gives back to them and mm-hmm. how writing transforms them. Mm-hmm. That's remarkably uh, fascinating for me as a mm-hmm. filmmaker. And mm-hmm. I, I'll be looking for more authors to work with. So Great, mm-hmm. great. Well, well, we'll talk. Mm-hmm. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, so thank you so much for being on my show and um, it's been a pleasure to to have this conversation with you, Adrian. So I've been speaking with Adrian Jurek. He's a Canadian filmmaker 
and has a website www.backcountrytrex.films and he's going to be he has his films there and you can see them on the web so thanks so much for joining me thank you Robin thank you for having me this is Robin White Turtle Lisney and the show is Evolved thank you for joining us we hope you enjoyed the show this is Deb Carousella. Please join us next time for Evolve with Robin White Turtle Lisney, Thursday afternoon at 2 p.m. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.